1: Hello, everyone. Welcome into the Guilty as Charge podcast YouTube channel. I'm your host, Alex, my guest for this video. Usually it's Stephen, who's the host of the show. But I did want to talk about a little bit of Chargers news or sort of Chargers news slash rumors that have been coming out. Last uh, time I did a video on Troy Reader, but there were some interesting comments made by one Chargers athletic reporter, Daniel Popper, uh, on the NFL Draft Stock Exchange podcast on uh, PFF. That's with Trevor Sycama and uh, Connor Rogers that I thought were worth talking about. Uh, Steven was actually the first to alert me to these comments. uh, And so I thought that they were a a little bit um, interesting and definitely worth a mention. We're going to be talking about them on the show tomorrow uh, when we do talk about, you know, our NFL cornerback rankings, we are going to be doing top 10 cornerbacks. Like we've been doing top tens of every position. Um, But yeah, Steven just tweeted this and he was like on the stock exchange podcast uh, said that the Chargers aren't, and this is what Popper said, the Chargers aren't particularly high on Michael Davis anymore, and they're going to go through the draft. So I thought, huh, that's interesting. Uh, and so then these comments were posted on Bolt Beat, if you want to go listen over there. But I do have kind of a transcript of the comments because I don't know how copyright works, so I don't want to play the comments and then you know be told that you we're getting sued by PFF. Uh, so I did kind of write the comments down over here as they are verbatim. Uh, quote, Staley is going to be adding as many corners as possible because he needs to deal with the attrition at the position. I don't think the team is very high on Michael Davis anymore. He's their third corner right now. All of a sudden, if you draft Trent McDuffie, Michael Davis has to be in a competition for playing time. That's going to raise everybody's play uh, and make sure that the Chargers don't have to rely on Davis as like a key piece in this defense because he really struggled to acclimate to the scheme last year. Obviously, he was playing a lot of cover three in Gus Bradley's scheme. He was asked to do a lot more in Staley's scheme in terms of the number of coverages he was playing, and he didn't really rise to the occasion. They're going to be looking to add cornerbacks because of what happened last year on third down. And so I just think it makes a ton of sense. Obviously, that last part is regarding the selection of Trent McDuffie in this mock draft experiment um, that he did on the stock exchange podcast. Uh, So I think that that is a you know, just a really interesting pick and description of the pick in general. Uh, We'll be talking about our top 10 quarterbacks and what we think of Sauce Gardner and Stingley and McDuffie and all those guys on the show uh, tomorrow on Thursday. But uh, I do want to get into specifically what does this mean for Michael Davis, right? And where does Michael Davis kind of stand with the Chargers? We've talked a little bit about his contract situation on the show. Obviously, last year in free agency, he signed what was kind of considered like a big three-year deal at the time. Um, but if you actually look at the details of this contract, right, it was sort of a two-year deal that is a three-year deal, technically, or I should say a three-year deal that's really a two-year deal. Because if you look at what the Chargers can do next year in free agency, they have a $9.4 million cap hit for Michael Davis and only $2 million in debt if they are to cut him. And with the struggles he had last year adapting to the Staley scheme compared to the 2020 that he had under the Gus Bradley scheme where he was, you know, the Chargers real CB1 and locking up some, you know, real quality wide receivers like Stephon Diggs back then, you compare that to his struggles in 2022 and in 2023, the Chargers, you know, are in a position where they have JC Jackson for another four years. They're probably going to draft some corners in this draft, even if it's not in the first round. And they still have Asante Samuel on a rookie deal, so that kind of leaves Michael Davis potentially out of the picture. And the Chargers can save 7.4 million by moving on from Michael Davis. So I did want to talk, uh, in addition to this, more specifically, how bad was Michael Davis's year? Was it was it good? Was it bad? Because I think when you look at his 2020, for example, under Gus Bradley. Uh, this is a season that I personally considered to be uh, in his 2020 the best season that Michael Davis has put together. Um, it, it was his best season, I, I think, statistically uh, in coverage, given the amount of snaps he was playing and the, the you know quality of snaps he was playing. Right, because in 2018, even though he has a slightly better coverage grade here, you know that was a lot because Casey Hayward was the real Charger CB one at the time. And he sort of started that way in 2020. But, you know, then Casey Hayward gets hurt. And Michael Davis in November and December has to play a lot of games as the starting cornerback. And I think he actually really shined in those games. And that's why the Chargers had confidence in him, not necessarily as a long-term fit, but in this transition phase between Anthony Lynn and Staley, it's like, okay, we can give this guy a two-year deal and see where he kind of winds up, right? If he can adapt to Brandon Staley's scheme then, you know, we can keep him. If he doesn't adapt to Brandon Staley's scheme, we can also just move on from him in 2023, like I just mentioned with his contract. And unfortunately, despite the Michael Davis sort of breakout in 2020, he regressed in a lot of key ways in 2022, um, such as his missed tackle rate. Like, you know, if you go back to 2020, uh, tackling with Michael Davis was always a problem. He always had it over 14% missed tackle rate. He actually dropped that to 8.7 in 2020, but then this year in this daily scheme where he was being asked to move around the field a lot more, that actually went up 3.8% to 12.5. Um, so the tackling problems for Michael Davis did sort of reemerge. Wasn't his worst tackling season by any means, but I do think it, it raises questions going forward about how effective he can be in a defense where he has to move around the field all the time. That's that's just the reality. Um, and I think coverage was an area where he did struggle as well, right? We talked about playing multiple coverages. He went down about 8 to 10 points uh, in this coverage category uh, and tended to give up receptions and big moments, like Popper mentioned, on third down. And that's where the Chargers really struggled, particularly with Chris Harris, with Michael Davis in coverage, uh, and the defense, uh, opposing offenses sort of got bailed out Uh, When those two either bit on a route or a receiver created separation on them, Hunter Renfro Um, (laughs) is is very much an example of that in some of those Raiders chargers games. Uh, So, yeah, I think when you look at Michael Davis's coverage as a whole, he was asked to do a lot more different things and struggled a lot in terms of doing those things. Technically, he gave up fewer yards. uh, And, you know, I think you look at that and it's like, okay, that's not too bad. His reception percentage was slightly lower, actually, over the season, but he also gave up the most yak of his career, uh, which I think kind of suggests where he was getting beat, right? He was getting beat kind of in that five to 10 yards downfield range, and then someone like Hunter Renfro would, you know, create separation. Someone, you know, someone else would do something to him which would cause him to kind of get washed out of the play. And now all of a sudden you have a situation in which he's giving up 200 yards of yak compared to his previous seasons, uh, even compared to 2020, went 75 yards higher. Um, Also did get burnt on the most touchdowns of his career. So definitely as a red zone defender was not as good as he could have been. Uh, And unfortunately for him in terms of run defense, not that I really live and die by PFF's run defense grade. It was a 49.4, which was the lowest of his career uh, in terms of the percentage of stops he made. And if you actually look at uh, stops in general, it was the fewest of his career compared to 14 in 2019. That was his previous low. He went to 13 last year. And that's actually concerning because he was playing such a large amount of the snaps with 851 in total. So I do think that is... Kind of a a summary of Michael Davis's season um, as a whole. And then, of course, we do have to talk about, hey, if you're going to be CB1 in Staley's scheme, you got to force turnovers. And Michael Davis, you look at the numbers, didn't really force a whole lot of turnovers, really only came up with one interception. Unfortunately, Uh, And if you remember how that interception happened, this was the Bengals game, of course, where Joe Burrow, Uh, threw a pretty perfect ball to Jamar Chase uh, and Jamar Chase just bobbles it and it it winds up in the hands of Michael Davis I don't know why it's not opening um, that tab but whatever Um, Oh, here it is but yeah I think a lot of Chargers fans will remember this play uh, in which Burrow threw it to Jamar Chase and then it wound up in the hands of Michael Davis uh, so that was his one interception. And you actually look at the interception opportunities that Michael Davis created in uh, 2020. I think he came away with three interceptions, came away with two interceptions in 2018 or sorry, in 2019. Uh, so he was never this ball hawkish corner, but still could come away with the ball and, and make good reads. I think better in the cover three uh, system under Gus Bradley, right? The the Brady pick six is kind of an example of that where he gets the read on the ball I, I think that was just a more natural scheme for him to play. And I think this daily scheme just kind of asks too much of him, given what his skill set is, and given the fact that his athleticism isn't overly athletic in, in some in some of the sense of the other guys that the Chargers are are looking for, right? Uh, like a JC Jackson or an Asante Samuel. So um and yeah, I think he did get a little bit phased out of the system towards the end of the year obviously as their you know lead corner he had to play a lot of these games but even an example like the kansas city game which is one of his better games of the year they didn't really stick him on tyree kill on that game they had him playing a lot on byron pringle um which is kind of why this was one of his okay games right um even in some of the other instances unless they really had to stick him on jamar chase like in the cincinnati game because they had no one else um they really kind of gave michael davis and and deferred him on some of these assignments later in the season um obviously the giants game was his best game but talk about what you know what the giants were doing in that one and, and the state that they were in as a team so i think that michael davis is absolutely going to stay this season the Chargers don't really have a way around replacing his production in the meantime, but if the Chargers do draft a Trent McDuffie, like uh, Daniel Popper suggests, or they take an Andrew Booth, just go for a quarter in general, right? We just saw when Staley met Stingley um, at, the, at the LSU Pro Day, then you could definitely see a situation in which Michael Davis is kind of still on this roster, of course, and used for depth purposes, but would really have to fight for playing time if you're going to have JC Jackson, let's say Derek Stingley, and Sante Samuel Jr. all on the field, right? And then that would create a situation, I think, for Davis where it's just like, what's your role here? Uh, so for me, uh, I, I do think that Michael Davis is definitely in a situation where he's going to be kind of forced off the team by 2023. And I think this is kind of the year where Staley phases him out because he hasn't been able to adapt to some of those more Staley-specific scheme tendencies but let me know what you guys think in the comments down below. What did you think of Daniel Popper's uh, ultimate comments? Uh, What do you make of them? And what would you like to see the team do with Michael Davis or any of these cornerbacks going forward? Let me know in the comments down below. And as always, I'll see